You're listening to CardiCast, a podcast about galleries, libraries, archive and museums, brought to you by New Cardigan, an Australian-based glam community. Hello, I'm Nick McGrath and welcome to CardiCast. I'm chatting today with Ethel Villafranca, who's a curator and exhibitions manager at the Museum of Chinese Australian History and honorary research fellow at the University of Melbourne. And I'd just like to thank Ethel. Thank you, Ethel, for um, coming on the podcast this evening and talking with me. And I have so much to talk to you about, I think. So thank you. You're welcome. It is my pleasure to be here. Wonderful. So I'm just trying to remember, I guess the first time I met you was a couple of years ago now when we went, we had a Cardi party at your museum and it was a great, we had such a great time. It was a Friday evening, wasn't it? And it was before times, before COVID. It feels like <laughs> now. Oh man, isn't that crazy when you think about it? But uh, and Justine was still uh, um, president at the time. The president, yeah. yeah. And she was so excited to set up the Cardi party there, and we all loved it. Like, <laughs> I remember there was quite a few people came along that evening. I think it was a winter's night. Yes, it was cold and rainy. I remember that yeah, day. Me too. <laughs> it was so good. And it was so good to come into your building because into the museum itself because I've walked past the museum so many times, meaning, you know, meaning to stop. Like I'm always running somewhere, going to the next, you know, yes. A to B. But for years I meant to go in. So I was so happy when um, Justine... Um, Justine Hanna, who was our previous president, organised that. And really since then, it's we've had such a great connection with you, Ethel. You know, you've, you've been such a su- supportive person to New Cardigan. So thank you for that. Um, oh, I actually joined New Cardigan um, the year I arrived in Melbourne in 2015. Oh, really? That's amazing. Yeah. New Cardigan was fairly new then. Yes. And really. I would attend. I would mm-hmm. attend some of the... Um, Cardi parties, yes. not often, but you know, the first event that I went to, it was at the RMIT and we went to the, uh, was it the Athenaeum Library? Ah, uh, yes, that was the- Collins? Yes, yes. And then we yeah. went, did you go to the RMIT gallery after that? And then we went to yes. the design, design archives. Yes, And we yes. stopped the Stop Museum as well, I think. On the, That was like- yes. That's right. That was our first glam, glam walk. Oh, was it? It was oh, the first. Oh, yeah. It was the first time we did it like four in a row, which was like. Oh yes. Pretty awesome. We stopped at the uh, the Belg Central, the what's, yes, what's that? The, the Tower Museum. Yes. yes the shop, shop museum. museum. Which is now got yes. shops in it, <laughs> which has actually got. Yeah. So bizarre, like because I've again that's another place like I've gone through Melbourne Central, you know, a lot of times, but never stopped to look mm. at the museum there. So that was really cool. That was great. Yeah. Oh, and I, I mustn't have, because there were so many people there, I mustn't have sort of, yes. you know how you just don't always get to talk to everyone. So I can't remember talking to you that night unless I did, but I just, there was so Probably many not yet. Yeah. Because um, I was, there was, you know, I was still trying to, you know, find my footing in Melbourne then. And, but after attending that, and then we sat down for dinner at um, a pub, Yes. In um, Franklin Street, I think. Yes. Um, and I, yeah, there. And then <laughs> I felt, well, I was, I thought, you know, I remember thinking that, oh my goodness, I found my people. Yes. Oh my God, I love hearing that. That's my favorite thing. 
I can't tell you, like, I miss Cardi parties because I, I would often mm. have chats, like, sometimes during the Cardi party when we're going, like, to, doing a tour or anything, something like that, it's all crazy. But then when we go to the, mm-hmm. have dinner and have a drink, then you can stop and actually talk to people properly. I can't tell you how many times lovely people have come up to me and said, like, I've just moved here from interstate or from overseas and, like, I, I didn't know anyone in Melbourne and they would say things like, I've actually had people say, you're my people and I feel so comfortable with you guys. And I was like, yeah, oh, I feel like that's, that's, that's exactly yeah. how I felt. And oh, I was great. just so grateful. And I quite like that because I'm a member of AMAGA. Yes. And, you know, I'm active in the, you know, edu- now I'm active in the education committee. But yeah. with New Cardigan, it's glam. So I get to meet librarians, archivists, you know, gallery workers. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I, I love it so much. Like when I first started going to Cardi parties myself as a punter, my friend mm. told me about it. And it was one of the first Cardi parties. I think they'd been going for a couple of months. And then I went to one mm. at Southern Uni because my friend told me about it. And then it was after after the Cardi party we went to the pub um in Carlton and mm-hmm. I to Hugh and Hugh was like oh you know because I think he was so excited to talk to someone who's an archivist because <laughs> there was a lot of librarians which is great love love I love librarians but he was just so excited he's like you're an archivist I want to talk to you <laughs> but it's yeah it's been an amazing journey it's it's exciting hopefully this year will be different the last couple of years yeah but this this podcast has been great as well because we've been able to stay connected to our community through the podcast, which is fantastic. You know, what is it like working in a museum, in a, you know, in a community-based museum? Because I know from the past it's different, isn't it, to working in a big organisation because you have yes. a number of hats, don't you? Like your curator and exhibitions manager and yes. other things. But, yeah, maybe you can explain that a bit for our listeners so they understand right. you. So it's, uh, it's interesting, obviously there are pros and cons to working in a small community museum. It's very small, so in terms of administrative approvals, it's quite fast. You know, want something done, you want to do something, talk to the CEO and it's, yeah, get yes or no, done. But the downside is we're very small and we have very limited resources. In fact, all of us, and there's only seven of us regular staff members, we all work part-time three days a week. And so it's very challenging because aside from the fact that we are all part-time, we, as you mentioned, we wear multiple hats. So I am looking after, um, so I'm curator and exhibitions manager. So those two are, related but they're ex- they're not usually in one per- you know handled by one person let alone you know a part-time person so i'm looking after the collection and we have um about 11,000 objects in our collections and then i also look after the exhibitions now the exhibitions may be a little bit easier because we have long-term exhibitions. So we have not been changing our exhibition very often, but we, we do have small short-term exhibitions. Last year, we probably had one, two, three, and that's with the, you know, the closures and everything. Wow. We had three exhibitions and they're 
quite short term. So we do that on top of looking after the collection. And then we also, I my role sometimes, we don't have a specific person uh, assigned to do public programs. So sometimes that falls on my lap as well, depending on what the program is. Like, for example, when we had the exhibition on the heaven which was not just an exhibition the exhibition was sort of served as a backdrop of the public program for that so we had to design the exhibition with the public program in mind and think of the public program as well coordinate with the education manager in running the program because the visitor service uh, officers were the one running the program and I they they report to the education manager whose primary role was is school programs mm. so there really isn't one person in charge of public programs but we also have traveling exhibitions and things like that that are not well they were put on hold during covid but there are ad hoc activities and other tasks that need to be addressed like I sort of am the default policy person of the museum because I probably have the longest experience working in a museum at the Museum of Chinese Australian History so I'm by default when there's like questions about oh what's the standard on this then that would be me so writing policy is also part of my role and all of that so it's a whole lot of things. So aside from the collection, so our collections, uh, we have the museum objects, we have a library, and then we have a research archive. So I look Mm -hmm. after all of those. And I'm not a librarian, I'm not an archivist. So Mm -hmm. that's sort of outside my league. And so we try to get a lot of help. And I know I've spoken to you a number Mm -hmm. of times about wanting to have some feedback about we don't have an archives policy because it has not yet been formally organized yet we only did that last year when we consolidated all of our collection under one collections management system so now it's just it used to be we have a cms for museum objects and then we have an excel sheet for the research archives and then we have an online catalog called uh, library things for our library collection so if you want something you go through different platforms Mm. we consolidated everything under one cms last year so now we can see everything in one (laughs) it's always exciting because i don't think i do the same things over and over again except you know the the regular meetings and all that but we're always doing something different because we are such a small staff and small organization that when you do something, when the organization does something new, you'll get involved in it somehow. For example, right now, we are doing a revamp, a makeover of our two longest running exhibitions, the Finding Gold Gallery. I love that, by the the way. Dragon Gallery. Oh my goodness, I love those parts. Like going into the Finding Gold Gallery, it was like stepping back into the models and and the dioramas because I'm a huge museum. I was geeking out like crazy. And then (laughs) it was fantastic. And I love the Dragon Gallery. That was so magical. But so are you going to keep the kind of theme of it or is it going to be completely? Oh, 
it's it's not it's just a makeover okay. because we can't the finding gold gallery is sort of permanent we can't move them around what we're yeah. doing is fixing up certain things and yeah. we are changing all the captions and oh. we are introducing so we're making it more engaging and uh, more consistent uh, in terms of design in terms of style writing tone and the best thing the newest thing is that we are introducing family and kid-centered oh, captions that even has a mascot we have a, oh, we had a, we ha- yes <laughs> we had a we had a volunteer design a mascot based on the millennium dragon that we have all of the materials that we have that are targeted for kids and families would have the logo of the mascot and it'll be the mascot quote and unquote talking to the audience talking to the visitors so we're doing that for both the dragon gallery and the finding gold the dragon gallery will look slightly different because you remember the stage that had all the companion creatures for the parade we are changing that we are fixing that because now it's it doesn't really make sense how the order is so we that one we are changing and then we're bringing down one of the the ycl dragon one of the dragon that's in the corner the smaller one the dragon head and we're bring it bringing it down to the floor so that people can have a closer look and we're opening up the screen so that you enter the museum, you will be able to see straight into the Dragon Gallery. Oh, that's so cool. When will the works be finished, do you know? Or will it be this year? Um, yes. It yeah. will be, It we're targeting, fingers crossed, yeah. end of March. So it's mm-hmm. actually ongoing right now. The We are now at the stage of we're collecting feedback. So we are in the mock-up stage of all the signage. We actually were recruiting, are recruiting teachers, um, retirees, families ah, yes. to come and visit and give feedback on, you know, the signs. Does it make sense to them? Is it, you know, attractive to them? Does, you know, things, things like that. So that before we make it produced professionally and install it permanently, and I say permanently, shouldn't be permanent but yeah. it's long term like 15 but, years um, permanent in a museum yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so it'll be there for quite mm. some time so we want it to be really engaging mm. and that you know the words that we use would resonate the language that we use is something that they can relate to so mm. i'm very very excited about that Ooh, that sounds brilliant um I, and I guess like just going back a little bit, is, is the reason that you came to Melbourne to study your PhD or was that? I did, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I moved to Melbourne in February 2015. So I've been here seven years now. Yeah. I moved here to do my PhD at Unimelb. I completed it in October 2020. And my research focused on drawing strategies that museums, particularly museum educators, use to encourage and support deep learning in students when they go visit the museum or when they go to schools and conduct the incursion programs. And the idea is to collect those strategies 
so that they can be adopted by school teachers in their own classroom. Was that part of the ASC and ARC linkage project? Yes. Wow. Yes, it is part of, we just wrapped up the project last year. We were supposed to extend it, but then COVID happened and all funding kind of ceased. It is part of the an ARC linkage project called Innovative Learning Environment and Teacher Change. And that project had partners across the different states. So we are partners with Education Department in New Zealand. Brisbane, Western Australia, I think South Australia, New South Wales, Victoria, surprisingly, is not part of the the Mm. project. And furniture makers, acoustic makers, Microsoft was even part of one of the partners. And a museum in New South Wales, Powerhouse Museum was also part of it. Mm. But we also had partners from overseas. So we had partners in the U.S. and in Europe. So it was a multi-country project and it, you know, there were eight PhD uh, mm. students in the program. That's Each of us was... That sounds like a... It a, is a lot. It was yeah. a three and a half year project and wow. it was, I will get the numbers wrong, but I can't remember how many millions it was from wow. ARC, but it was during at that time, it was the biggest funded education project given by ARC, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Normally, the ARCs that I've been aware of in the past, they usually maybe they'll have one PhD, like one, you know, mm. postdoc, maybe two yeah. PhDs or something like that. Normally, I mean, that's the ones I've been aware of. But yeah, that's that's a big project. Yeah, wow, exciting because be because each of the PhD focus on this different aspects of pedagogy, innovative teaching and learn. So I was the only museum practitioner in the group, and I was invited in the project even before they got the grant. That my super my principal supervisor wanted me to. Um, start at Melbourne Graduate School of Education because she was applying for that grant and she wanted a museum person oh, because wow. she, he believed that museums really know how to manipulate and curate spaces for learning and that's yes. what we do and he wanted that included in the project so the other PhDs are architects or teachers yeah and then I'm the I'm the only museum person <laughs> Oh, wow. And I mean that, so when you completed that in 2020, did you go on then to be an honorary research fellow straight away or was there a bit of time between? No, the funny thing is I extended my, uh, you know, my PhD study for maybe eight months than my original submission date. All things happening, you know, everything, but they were waiting for me to submit so that they can hire me as a research associate in the project. So I was a research associate working for the project. I com- my task was primarily to compile strategies, tools, and resources that can be used by school teachers in their innovative learning environment. So innovative learning environments are uh, a short way of describing is it's an opposite of a traditional box classroom where, you know, it can be opened, it can be made smaller, there are technology in there and the teaching is non-traditional meaning it's not you know I'm the teacher here's the blackboard face me 
yeah. this is what we're doing, read your textbook. So my task was to compile the resources that teachers can use, including output from fellow PhDs of the project. So mine is also there, my thesis is all there, and whatever else I develop, the videos that I develop, the infographics that I develop during my PhD are also included there. I mean, stepping back again, looking back at your previous studies, so you studied a Bachelor of Arts in Philippine Arts, is that right? Philippine Arts, correct. And that, and that was like a major in arts management at the University of Philippines. Then you went on to the Asian Institute of Management, managing the arts program. You sound like me, like I've got, you know, I'm, and everyone I talk to, we all, we people that end up in museums and galleries and archives and libraries tend to have a very interesting <laughs> qualification. <laughs> And um, then you went on to, to do a master's degree in museum studies at the University of Florida. So you spent some time in Florida. Did you enjoy it in Florida? I've always wanted to go. Yes. Yes. Florida was good because it's tropical. Oh my God. <laughs> it's closer. <Beautiful>. It's warm. <laughs> <laughs> and so University of Florida is in Gainesville. So it's not prone to the cyclones yeah. because it was in it's inland it's two hours from Orlando I before moving there I have never heard of Gainesville Florida oh, I only okay. know of Orlando because of yes. Disney World oh yes, of course. <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> did you go so to it's two, there? oh yes oh, oh yes we we would we would buy annual passes so that oh, you can just oh. go whenever you want so and we would and we would drive because it takes two hours. Yeah. So we'd normally either we normally what we'll do is we'll go on a weekend and we'll just stay overnight <laughs> so oh that we God, can so be there early. Oh my and, God, I'm so <laughs> You know, leave when the park closes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I come oh back the following day. <laughs> oh my goodness, so good. Did you go with your fellow students? Like with it? With yes, yes. The thing with Gainesville is it's a university town. The the population, I was told during the time I was living there, it's um, 65,000 is the population. 50,000 are students. Oh my but goodness, some that's of, amazing. Yes. <laughs> it's, ma it's a massive, it's a massive university. We have our own lakes. We have our own police. Oh my <laughs> it's God, it's that big. fascinating. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> But not everyone would stay on campus. Some, some of the students would drive home to Orlando or Jacksonville and things like that. But because it's a university town, on weekends, on Friday afternoon, the university is deserted. Oh, wow. <laughs> the I whole weekend, we also, we also have limited buses. <laughs> So oh if you, you have to ride your bike or drive or you, you're stuck at home or you just <laughs> walk everywhere. Yeah. So, so yeah, so it's, it's a very, and I, and I always tell this to my friend because I also was accepted in, um, so I was there on a scholarship by, um, with Fulbright and I got accepted in three schools. I was accepted in George Washington University in DC and then also in, um, University of the Arts in Pennsylvania. If I ended, I was always, and I also applied for um, a school in New York, but I was told that I can't apply because their tuition fee is too high for the budget of Fulbright. Oh, but God. I, you know, I always felt that if I ended up in Washington, D.C. or, or even Philadelphia, 
I would probably have difficulty fin- finishing my studies because oh, nothing's happen. Nothing's <laughs> happening in Gainesville. All you have to do is just study. <laughs> it's good to focus. Then you're just like focus. Yes. Yes. And, and while you were studying there, you did a um, graduate internship at the National Museum. The Smith. Of- yes. The, the, the Smithsonian. Yeah. The Smithsonian. Yes. So fantastic. Yes. In Washington, that I mean, I've heard of people going to study there or do an internship, and I've heard that it's amazing. Did you have? Did you it have? Yes. Here's the story about that internship. So I, I during the course of my my master's degrees, two and a half years. So I actually had quite a few internships. Yeah. So I went to all the uh, you know the major museums in Gainesville, the Florida National Natural Museum and the Harn Museum of Art. And then for my summer internship, I went to Washington DC. And I chose that museum because I remember the first time I was in the US for a different scholarship, I was just touring, you know, museums. I visited maybe around 80 museums in like six months for a scholarship. That was my job for six months. That was really fun. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Seriously. It is. Oh my goodness. And I was very young then. I was like maybe 22. So it was my years, even my first trip outside of the Philippines. And yeah. I was so wide-eyed. Everything for me was so exciting. Oh my god. Well, anyway, so during that trip in 2001, I went to the National Museum of American History and I, they have this interactive gallery. They, 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 it used to be something else, named something else, where they have, this, they have science invention. In the gallery's focus, it's really a space for schools and children and families. And they have... Um, they have programs that are run every hour on the hour, focus on invention and science. So I remember sitting on the bench. So they have, you know, science experiments. And I distinctly remember that I participated in a carbon dioxide experiment with oh, the dry mm-hmm. eyes. And I was just so amazed because I come from a third world country and uh, we are very teacher-centric in high school. So when I was taking chemistry and physics, it was very textbook. It was not hands-on. So I sat there, I was 22, 23, and I was just so amazed. And I thought that this is the most wonderful museum ever. When my summer internship, there was an opportunity to go on a summer internship, I applied to the Smithsonian internship. They have a whole program because, yeah. you know, they have a mall. They, they, they're a mall. So there are, what, 20 plus museums in the whole yeah, Smithsonian. So they have a whole, they have hundreds of interns during the oh, summer. Yeah. So I applied for that and then got accepted. And I spent the whole summer in that space, which was by the time I came back for my master's, it was already renovated to be the Lemelson Center for invention and innovation oh. and so they updated it but they were still doing the carbon dioxide oh, experiment. Wow. it must have been such a popular kind of um, exhibition or presentation that you know visitors would lap it up because whenever you see dry ice it is so exciting mm. isn't it it's just so yes wow and it's not and it's not just that so they have multiple yeah. programs and activities that are so there are self-guided 
sections of that space. It, it, it's a small gallery. And so one corner is, you know, the, the, they call it the bench. And so simultaneously, they can run two experiments or programs there. So one experiment is the carbon dioxide. Another experiment is about germs, which would be very, very germs and viruses, mm -hmm. which would be very timely now. Oh, and boy, there yes. was also <laughs> about DNA. So you extract the DNA from a strawberry or a fruit. But yeah, so I got to lead some of those programs, which was really fun because we weren't just catering to school groups. On um, We would run the program also for families. And there, it's, you know, they don't just watch. They get their own goggles. That mm. was what's so amazing for me when I participated. But you get your own goggles. Oh. You get your own test tube. You get your own uh, thong, uh, you know, to pick <laughs> up the, you know, everything. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm not oh, just no. watching. I'm part of it. Oh, that's so great. It's amazing. It's a really amazing experience. Oh, I would love to. I mean, I think for for anyone that loves museums, Washington must be one of those pilgrimages that we all oh, yes. should do one day <laughs> if we get a chance. Yes, in the future, it really is. Awesome. It's 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 amazing. It's an amazing place. Oh wow, Ethel! I mean, I just would love to talk to you all evening, but this has been such a fascinating <laughs> conversation. We'll definitely have to follow up, you know, and have more chats hopefully in the future and see you at Cardi parties in, in the future yes. as well. But I just want to say a big thank you for this wonderful conversation. I hope our listeners were just getting as a museum geeked out and excited as Ethel and I. We love our museum talk, talking about museums. So I'd just like to say thank you, Ethel. Uh, that was Ethel Villafranca, Curator and Exhibitions Manager at the Museum of Chinese Australian History and Honorary Research Fellow at the University of Melbourne. And you can follow Ethel on Twitter at Ethel and it's EE22, is that right, Ethel? Yeah, Ethelie22, yes. Beautiful. Thanks for listening, folks. If you'd like to get in touch with New Cardigan, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook or at our website, newcardigan.org. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Remember to like and subscribe on your favourite podcatcher. If you want to know more about New Cardigan, check out our website for events, merchandise, news and more. And remember, folks, JFDI. <laughs>